We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain alienable rights. We have a power. And we've raised a spoiled brat representative government that needs to be taken to the woodshed. Are you satisfied with the government that owns you? There are churches who refuse to allow us to use their facilities to teach. Unspoken or even sometimes spoken rule that religion and politics don't mix. You wouldn't dare speak out against the government or somehow resist. Christians have to be involved in politics. God commands it. Every turn of event through history hinged. One person will stand up upon a single person. And then everybody else will stand. A gym member surrounded by a crowd of supporters was placed in handcuffs. A Tampa Bay pastor has been arrested, sentenced to a week in she jail. She also and tore up a cease and desist letter. We have a posterity waiting for us to say, we will not comply so you will be free. We have a chance to fight without bloodshed. But every time we comply, we establish a future where our children will not have that option. Why do we sit down when all should be standing? And why do we back down? Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Got a full guest room here today, JC over my right shoulder, Noah right here in the front, and we've got Noah's dad, Alex Newman. Uh, how do you like to be introduced, Alex? Uh, patriot, uh, journalist, educator, Go Gators! Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I'm from <laughs> Florida. Yeah. I got my my. Uh, you hear that, Nate? Go Gators, <laughs> Nate. Uh, we had a we have a an Alabama fan who is always in our chat room, and he uh, he's always putting up his super chats as Roll Tide, so that we have to put them up there with the Roll Tide, and he loves to poke JC about that. But my uh, my. Uh, JD comes from the University of Florida. Oh wow! I did not know that. Go yeah, Gators. yeah. Looks like a family portrait. I know, yeah. right? Right? So uh, we're happy to have Noah here with us today and very happy to have Alex with us today. We wanted to take a, a, a few minutes. We're obviously in a hotel room. We're on the road. We are at the... Um, Back to the Future Conference. Back to the Future Freedom Speak Conference in Orlando, Florida. Alex and I just finished speaking. And we just finished an interview with the New American. When is that going to be put out so our people can find it? Hopefully by next week. Next week. All right, great. So we'll have an, an interview with the new American out by next week. And you can see, look, no, all those people saying hello to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Alex, what I, I, I'm just curious, what's it like working for the new American? Well, uh, I'm the senior editor there, and I'll tell you, I was at the University of Florida, and I was despairing. I, at the time, I was uh, publishing articles in the Gainesville Sun and also the Alachua County Today. They were both you know, halfway decent, but I, I realized very, 
very quickly that the mainstream media was just not a viable option to, for a livelihood and right. to publish the truth. So I was really relieved to find the New America when I was in college and find out that they would take some of my articles. Uh, it's a great magazine. It's, in my opinion, the best magazine that exists on planet Earth. And that's why I write for them. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we, we deal with great people. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's a joy. That's and, awesome. And you also contribute to Epic Times. Um, yes. Right? Like, yeah. You have oh, a that's significant right. that's involvement with yeah, I I, uh, I write columns for them. I do investigative reporting for them. I, I technically don't work for anybody, so I'm not on anybody's payroll. But I write for the New American, the Epic Times, and then probably another half a dozen publications on a regular basis, and then another couple dozen from time to time. Well, our pastor's mother-in-law loves Epic Times. Oh, awesome! She thinks that it's the greatest paper out there. She actually gets the paper subscription and gets the actual newspaper. It's a great newspaper. I, I tell yeah. you, I think it's the best newspaper in the country. Um, it, it's not Washington Compost. It's not New York Slimes. It's it's legitimate, true journalism um, in the true tradition of journalism, where we're actually pursuing the facts, asking the hard questions, something that has been almost completely lost to date. So uh, I'm a subscriber to the, to the newspaper. It comes to my door once a week. If you live in the big cities, I think D.C., New York, you can get a daily edition and they've got I think 22 different editions around the world, but the U.S. See, weekly edition is We great. need to find out if we can get, how we get it delivered in Tampa. I'm sure Tampa's it'll, it'll come in the mail if you subscribe. Yep. Great. And we'll uh, they've got a great news reporting stuff that you won't find in any of the fake media. So Yeah. So I want to hear more about your presentation today at the conference because it's really interesting. Jason and I were listening on the way over. Uh, when we travel on the road, we're either audio booking it or listening to somebody's podcast or something like that. And we were listening to a podcast. Tell them who the podcast was. Yeah, really so quick. the podcast is Just Thinking. I, I was going to talk about, I'll probably talk about it a little bit in the next episode. We'll link all that, but it's justthinking.me uh, is our website. And uh, this was a, uh, actually a three-hour podcast they did on on critical race theory and uh so it's something something that we research and study or i i certainly do a lot and uh was very very informative so then we can we come right off the road uh to the conference and you you were up speaking not long after we got here yeah and then you start going into a lot of that at the very beginning so it was amazing yeah we walk in there you are critical what is that yeah, so it was critical, critical race, race theory, theory. so yeah. it's amazing how you were you know you were uh exposing that right after we had listened to to this in-depth podcast about it so but you're the, the the sort of general theme you were dealing with the american education system the public education system and i speak to speak to the folks about you know where where are we with that what is what is your message when you speak about that what are the things that you're trying to get across to people yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity to speak on this. And, and I start off by telling people that critical race theory is not the problem. It's, it's one of many problems. And, and even if we somehow manage to get every element of critical race theory out of the indoctrination centers that like to identify as school systems, uh, they would still be destructive. They would still not be a safe place to send your children. But the critical race theory is really, really insidious. It is uh, a, a neo-Marxist weapon. And, and I think weapon is really the best way to describe it. They like to pretend it's a theory or an analytical tool. It's really a weapon. Um, and, and it is really just an offshoot of the same weapon that mass murdering communist dictatorships have been using for the last hundred years. So in, in Soviet, in, in Russia, 
they divided the population into the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. So you had the oppressors and the oppressed. And the oppressors were uh, people who owned businesses, middle class, aristocracy, anybody associated with the government, the military, etc. Those were all in the oppressor class. And then the oppressed class was the the peasants, the farmers, the you know, the etc. And uh, in in China, it was a little bit different. I, I interviewed a Chinese lady just last week, actually, about this. And she said in, in China, under Chairman Mao, same exact thing. They herded all the children into these indoctrination centers that they called public schools, and they divided the children into the black classes and the red classes. Uh, the black classes were the bad ones, and you were born black. You couldn't scrub that off your skin. That meant that you came from a family that owned land or that owned business or, or it was opposed to communism. And that was something that was part of you. It was like in your DNA. You couldn't expunge it. And then the red classes were the oppressed. That was the the landless, the the workers, the revolutionary soldiers. And so by dividing the society in that way, they were able to then really implode the old system and then rise to, to the top on the ashes. And, you know, it doesn't work as well on older people. Uh, you know, they, they call us bitter clingers for a reason. Sure. Yeah. So that's why they're targeting the kids. <laughs> Clinging to our guns and our Bibles. Precisely. <laughs> and, and so they target the little kids and they tell them, look, uh, if you're white, you're part of the oppressor class. If you are uh, cisgender is a new term they've come up with. That just means that you're a man who knows you're a man or a woman who knows you're a woman. If you're heterosexual, if you're Christian, if you speak English, that all lumps you into the oppressor class. But the effect will be the same. You know, in China, it took a few years before the slaughter started. Tens of millions of people were murdered. But I, I tell people that's the direction that they're moving us. And, and and it's all based on lies. I mean, you guys gave a talk today where you talked about some of the incredible black heroes who made America possible. Some of the women who were involved in our founding. Um, all of this is out the window for the critical race theorists because it exposes their narrative as fraudulent. Yeah, it, it's fascinating. We were listening to, again, the Just Thinking podcast, you know, goes kind of steps it steps it back uh, a little earlier. And, and you talked about some of this in the Frankfurt School and some of the origins of that. But the, the critical race theory is based on general critical theory, the critical theory. And the even in the uh, encyclopedia or the, the, the Oxford Dictionary of Critical Theory, uh, it is explaining how critical, right, that term critical is it doesn't mean analytical doesn't mean an analysis. In fact, it says it's the opposite of that. So it's not based on objective evidence, right? So you start from a premise, and this is the thing with critical race theory, like like the book White Fragility, Robin D'Angelo, you can't change, you know, who you are. You're a racist. There's nothing you can do about it because it's not about, based about objective analysis of what you've done, you know, the actual evidence. It starts from the premise uh, of, of racism. That's why they have the term systemic racism. Because yep. then that's not about an individual. You can't look at an individual and say, well, he did this or didn't do that. Oh, well, it's the system. So you're never able to sort of pin it down to the evidence. If it's the system, it's just this amorphous thing. It's inherent. So, you know. And uh, you can't uh, uh, really find a beginning. You yeah. can't find a source. Without the source, there is no solution. Right. So the solution is non existent because the problem is eternal, ever going. It's like you based, said, it's part of your DNA. You, you can't yeah. scrub it off, right? So there's no solution to it other than to simply bow into submission, you know, give up your reparations, admit that you're a terrible human being based on, you know, whatever criteria, you know, your yeah. red, blue, whatever. But then that also allows them, you can continually shift the goalpost, 
Yes. You can't really argue because, you know, well, you're just part of the oppressor class. And if you say anything against it, it just proves it. It yeah, just shows exactly. your white fragility. Um, and, and the really nefarious thing to understand here is that by getting people to think in these terms, they have then attached the oppressor label in whatever form and whatever society to the things that they want to destroy. So in our case, the Constitution is part of that. Uh, our political institutions, our liberties, the idea of property ownership. They're saying now that's a, a white man's invention, and so we need to tear that down. Now they're at the point where they're saying math is racist because, of course, math is critical to understanding the universe and yeah. so kind of the universal language. And so anything that they Whether, want to destroy, they just associate with the oppressor, and then the oppressed class is supposed to overthrow it. And uh, you yeah. know, it, it leads now weather, weather's racist. Isn't oh, it yeah. interesting that the things that must be destroyed are the things that are clear, the things that are absolute, the things that can be defined by truth or error, right? So math is math because it either is or it isn't, right? <laughs> weather is weather because it either is or it isn't. And so you have to eliminate the absolute so that people's perceptions then become the most important reality and then again, because perceptions change, you have this ever shifting goalpost because nothing is ever absolute. The only thing that's absolute is that you're absolutely racist. Right. And the only thing that's absolute is that I absolutely deserve to to be entitled to everything, you know, based on the fact that I'm female. Right. Yeah. So no absolutes unless it's absolutely important to me. That's right. You, uh, another part of your presentation today, you you were exposing. Um, I, I started to say the dark side of uh, public education. Yeah, I'm glad you're getting into this because this is exactly where it's, I wanted it's, to go. It's I didn't the only side, this. right? Yeah, the, all of it. Side, public dark. education. So it's not the dark side. It, it is inherently. That's what I was t talking to Bob Dreyfus afterwards. Um, you know, been in this fight for, since the '60s. Yeah. And uh, I I put this rhetorical question to him about the our public American education system. I said, well, all this, all this bad stuff that they're teaching, all the stuff that's happening and the terrible results, you know, that we see in relation to being able to perform academically and what have you. I said, this, this is not an accident, right? You know, so, so it's by design. The reality is what we know as public education is working perfectly. Because it's doing exactly what it yes. was designed to do, to destroy the republic, yeah. to control the children, destroy. It's a destructive system you know, through and through. What's interesting is you. I actually have a short hit class. I have an article at chrisanhall.com on the history of the Marxist takeover of the education system. It's called Stolen Education, Stolen Children, Stolen Future. So uh, what I do is I run through that timeline of of, of, uh, of G. Stanley Hall, Villain oh, Grant, yeah. John Dewey, Thorndike, you know, the, how the, then the Rockefellers, the Carnegie pick up all of that and move forward with that. And, we, and when you said it's working perfectly, it is the exact Design. perfect plan of the experimental psychology laboratory that that uh, that Wilhelm Wundt designed in the very beginning in the in the Munich school, and then you know having trained up then G. Stanley Hall and yeah. Dewey all, all and Thorndike, all yeah. the utopians are now putting into place this this what did you call it the neo uh, Confederate communist. Neo Marxist. Newest Marxist. Yeah, the neo Marxist ideology 
in our system and well, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to. And yeah. you have a book. I was I just looked flipped open the table of contents. All the stuff that we talk about is in the book. You I guess you just wrote recently you have a book on this very thing, exposing the roots, the origin, everything. Yeah, so uh, I, I was very honored to work with Dr. Sam Blumenfeld on this. We co-wrote the book, Crimes of the Educators, and we go through all that history. Um, in, in fact, uh, we even go back to uh, some of the earlier people, Horace Mann, uh, who, who brought the Prussian system into Massachusetts. And before him, there was a, a very little-known communist. His name was Robert Owen set up this commune in Indiana called New, New Harmony. Harmony. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then it was a total failure. I mean, two years, the whole thing collapsed because communism was dumb and, and getting rid of private property and things like that doesn't work. Yeah. But so he, he set up this secret society is actually how one of the whistleblowers described it. And they had two goals. Uh, one was to get men elected to the legislatures who would support government takeover of education. The other was to shift public opinion in that direction. And then uh, that actually went over to Prussia, the Prussian ambassador to, uh, I think it was the United States, got a copy of these essays, took them back to the Prussian regime, and they implemented this there. Horace Mann then brought that to Massachusetts, and then he traveled across America. But if you look at the people who advocated this, who designed this system, uh, their goals were always very transparent. And Dewey is, is, I think, probably the most obvious example. This yeah. is a guy who went to the Soviet Union. He loved what they were doing. He wrote all these essays about what a great system it was, how the the collectivistic mindset that the schools were instilling in that, children. How that's bad what, literacy is, yeah, you right. know. That's what's fascinating about Dewey. And I, don't, I don't think people understand this, was how open. It, he, yeah. he could read all his journals and his letters. The stuff's right there. He's the telling, signer of the Humanist Manifesto. That's right. you yep, know? One of the architects. Of it. And, and we actually republished one of his essays in the back of the book, Crimes of the Educators. Uh, it's, it was called The Primary Education Fetish. And he published this in 1898. Uh, and to kind of summarize it, he, he argues that this whole emphasis on teaching young children how to read and write and do math, it really turns them into little individualists. Yes. yes. We really don't need to do that. Vacuous reading. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes Eye strain. Yeah. And, and they're selfish because they, you know, can be alone. And <laughs> yeah. And, and then he goes on to say that, you know, change, this is a direct quote, change must come gradually to force it unduly, he says, would compromise its final success by favoring a violent reaction. So he understood, he, even yeah. in the late 1800s, that if parents figure out what we're doing, if teachers figure out what we're doing, uh, I mean, they would tar and feather us. So we've got to do it quietly without people figuring out what's going on. And that's what he did. He got three point something million dollars from the Rockefeller General Education Board back when that was huge money. Set up an experimental school. The kids who graduated, they couldn't read. They couldn't tell right from wrong. Aha, this would be perfect. Let's do this yeah. nationally. And, you know, the rest is history. And, and you know, they couldn't jump from where we were in the late 1800s, early 1900s to a full-blown communist indoctrination system because they would have been tarred and feathered. So it, it was a gradual process that took place over decades. But as you pointed out, it's doing exactly what they intended it to do. And now we're reaching kind of the culmination of that. And we see the fruit. The fruit is the destruction of our liberty, the division of our people, the erosion of our freedoms and our institutions. Uh, and it's going to be deadly if we don't get this under control. I'm reminded of the publication in 1932 by the NEA. Uh, they had this step-by-step -step process of their goals. And the final step was to remove local and parental control from the schools, quoting now, without seemingly doing so. Yep. Right? So we have to do all of this, which in which I... What really struck me, and you're, you're 
your presentation today, you were talking about the dark side of it, is in 1932, the National Education Association, the NEA, wanted to make sure that we had an aggressive sex education system uh, in our public schools, starting you know, at very young ages. And you gave some some information, some background on that today that that was just shocking to me. So yeah. I just can you sort of reset that and help our people know? Yeah, just I, how, I'd, I'd be happy. To. This is dark stuff, people. I mean, like, like, yeah, Illuminati kind of that's secret sick. society, it's, it's, it's sick, sick, it's sick sick stuff, it's and this is our public school system. Yeah, and so you know, it actually it actually goes right back to the people who came up with critical theory. So the early pioneers of the idea of sexualizing children, the first place where this was really tried was in Hungary under the Bela Kun regime. This murderous communist. It didn't last all that long, but one of the commissars, Luki Georgi, uh, who was actually the cultural commissar for that Bela Kun regime in Hungary. That was his mission to sexualize the little kids. So they got this horrible sex ed program into the schools in Hungary. And it was along thinking of Antonio Gramsci and later the Frankfurt School. We've got to break down family, religion, culture, and, and all these barriers mm -hmm. to communist revolution. But then you fast forward a couple of decades and uh, they understood this well. So uh, a gentleman by the name, I shouldn't call him a gentleman because he's not, uh, but a, a, a <laughs> sex fiend, a disgusting pervert uh, named Alfred Kinsey. Uh, hooked up with the Rockefellers. Again, it's amazing how often the Rockefellers come up and the Central Intelligence Agency, incidentally, uh, back when it was the OSS. This was early mind control experiments. Not to interrupt you, but I'm just reminded, JC and I took a little historical vacation to Jekyll Island not too long ago to learn about all that. And John Rockefeller, Grandpa John, was such a religious zealot that it gave you kind of the impression that he was... Oh, you know, methinks thou dost protest too much, you know, that that right, that right. religious legalism to hide underneath yeah. what's really going on. Yeah. And, and his financing of Alfred Kinsey, I think, is a dead giveaway. So Alfred Kinsey, uh, you know, start off by saying he was responsible for the sexual torture and the rape of thousands of children. He was a monster. And Judith Reisman, um, she just passed away, uh, Dr. Judith Reisman, professor at Liberty University. Uh, she served in the Reagan administration trying to expose what was going on with the pornography and the child pornography. But um, she actually went through Alfred Kinsey's books. He did all this so-called sex research. And one of the books he published was called Sexuality and the Human Male. This was in the late 1940s that this was published. And as you go through it, he's got all these tables in there where he got his data from. And from table 31 through table 34, they've got these just horrifying beyond anything you can imagine results from their research. So turns out Kinsey was training pedophiles to molest and rape children and use a stopwatch. And I mean, it gets really sick. So if you're very sensitive, you may want to turn away or push mute for a minute. But uh, what, what is recorded in these tables is the sexual abuse of little children, some as young as a few months old. And what they said was this is how many climaxes they experienced in the period of time that they were really sexually torturing them. And I mean, anybody with two brain cells to rub together knows a baby doesn't experience any sort of climax. They, they actually said they're screaming, they're passing out. I mean, it's just barbarous. This is evidence of being tortured. Right. And they said, oh, this is a climax. And this proves that children and babies are sexual from birth. And so this is why we have to teach them sex ed the moment we can get our hands on them. And that is what actually, if you look then at the history of how sex ed came into the schools, uh, Psychus, the, uh, it used to be called the Sex Education and Information Council of the U.S. Now they just call it Psychus Sex Ed for Social Change is the new name. 
This was an outgrowth of Alfred Kinsey's disgusting research. They're the ones who then went and got set in all the schools. And the interesting thing is we have the data. They started this in Washington, D.C. And yeah. the premise was we're going to prevent STDs and we're going to prevent uh, teenage pregnancy. Yeah. Exactly the opposite exactly happened. Exactly the opposite happened. And yet they said, now we got to do it everywhere. So that's the sickness behind this. You know, we, we created the problem. So now we have to create the solution that actually creates even more, more of the, the problem. problem. Yep. And, and meanwhile, Planned Parenthood is getting rich. Our children are being destroyed with STDs and, and, and just the destruction of the family. Uh, it, it's so sick it makes you want to puke. But all of it goes back to these sickos, these perverts who are involved in some of the most ghastly crimes known to man. Well, you have to first... You have to teach this whole sexual education and the 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 fact that you said that what that they say that that children are born sexual beings. You know, I my background is science. So before I was in the army, before I went to law school, I was a biochemist. And so I remember biochemistry classes teaching us the sexual nature of children from birth. It's actually uh, a scientific thing now, right? We actually believe in the science world that this can be proven. But you have to teach this, right? And then in the, in the same time, you have to teach evolution. You have to teach children that they're nothing more than souped up monkeys. They're yep. just animals, right? Well, we eat animals. We, we dis, uh, the, the lives of animals are not that important, but if we're just animals and the lives of, 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 of animals are not that important. And then we have these hypersexualized beings who are now little people who can't understand the consequences of what they're doing they now become pregnant well it's okay you can just get rid of it it's not actually a human being and even if it were it's not a big deal because it's just an animal so you train up children to have a disregard for life yep. and that that psychologists will true psychologists will tell you is one of the most psychologically damaging things that you can teach a child yeah. is that their life has no meaning yeah. and that you can rip a life out of a mom's body and it's not a big deal because then that teaches them that they're just an accident, that they have no meaning in life. So you have kids that are that are not uh, part of their society because they're now self-loathing and... You know, all of this is about teaching people to hate themselves so they hate each other and they can be oppressed easily, right? Yep, that's exactly right. And and the the implications of teaching children these types of things that are so obviously silly, uh, we're seeing them now, right? When, when you tell a child that their life is no more valuable than the life of their pet goldfish or their pet cat, uh, what happens? What's the purpose of life? And, and then they'll fill you right in. Well, the purpose is to have as much fun, as much pleasure as you can possibly right. experience. And that is the most empty kind of life. There, there's nothing to live for then except for just hedonistic pleasure. And right. it leads to what we see today, a drug addiction and, and depression and suicide and all of what we're seeing today on warp speed coming out of our public schools. Well, but so we, you, you, we raise up our children to know that they're chosen, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, yep. that they are a creation in the image of God. Their value of their life is not only valued in the family, but valued to God himself. Our creator believes that he you know, created us out of love, with intention, with a purpose, and there is no accident in life. Yep, exactly. And, and I think that's a critical part of just living a fulfilling life is understanding those things. It's a critical right. part of properly understanding reality. Uh, and, and there's really 
significant political implications to all this too. We talked about John Dewey, mm -hmm. this whole idea, you know, his humanist manifesto that he wrote and, and signed with a few dozen other uh, humanists, uh, they said something very profound right in the very first tenets that we believe uh, the universe is self-existing and not created. In other words, there right. is no God. And what happens when you accept that premise, even from a political perspective, is everything that the founders said was self-evident goes right out the window. How can you believe in God-given rights if there's no God? How can you believe that we institute governments to protect God-given rights if there is no God? And so the, the political implications of this worldview that they're instilling in our children are devastating to individual liberty and free government as well. Well, but the elimination of God is also the elimination of absolutes. That's right. It's elimination of a higher authority. So if you're not accountable to anyone and then you're taught in the systems that your pleasure is the whole purpose of your life. Mm -hmm. Right. Then you can go along and life has no meaning at all. Now you wonder. There's no wonder that we have children killing children in the streets. Yep. We have children making children and no families. And it's just, you, you know, the whole system. It's really, really hard to to wrap your brain around. But the whole system begins at a beginning with these sick people who hate God, who hate life who want to manipulate people in this socialist communist regime. Well, you, you've given this presentation lots of times, right? At it, least a couple it, hundred. This is probably, on yeah. uh, YouTube or somewhere where if people want to see that your presentation on the education system, where could they find it? Uh, there's a lot of different versions on YouTube. Uh, in 2019, I did a speaking tour across the United States where I gave different versions of it in churches and Republican groups and things like that. So if people go on YouTube or um different uh video streaming services you'll find it just look up you know alex newman rescuing our children and you'll find some variation of it how do they get a copy of your book uh it is actually now available again that on amazon for less than 200 dollars. praise god a new publisher bought the uh, bought the rights to it so they're publishing it you can also get it directly so from my there's website. a story there yeah so it went out of <laughs> it, it, it was printed and it, it was selling really well for a few years and then the publisher wnd books they had some the ceo had a stroke and they ended up in some financial trouble. So they, they stopped the printing and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, then the used copies that were out there started really going up in price. So, you know, a lot of people don't want to pay a few hundred dollars for a book. Mm -hmm. Um, so now it is available again, uh, through Amazon. It's also available at bookstores again. And uh, if you want to get a copy direct from me, I can sign you, I can send you a signed one that's at libertysentinel.org forward slash books. All right. Great. And the title again, crimes of the educators, how utopians are using government schools to destroy America's children. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, this is our Friday edition and we are on the road. You can see we're doing it from the laptop today. And uh, because it's a Friday edition, we go a little bit shorter than normal. So thanks, Alex and Noah, for being Thank here. Thank you. Dad, son, we appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for having me. Well, thanks for being a part of our show. And thanks for being a parent that brings your child up in the education, uh, you know, the proper education. He's going to grow up understanding that he has meaning and a purpose and a value. And that's what we need our children to understand. All right, guys, God bless you. We will see you on Monday. Awesome. Yeah. So we have an X. There we go. <laughs> nope. The next one. Up, up, up there.